everybody we're gonna get bible study started i'm gonna open up with a word of prayer we're gonna move through this night real quick i'm excited about some things of god if you can do me a favor and go ahead and share this on your page as we get ready to get started this is an awesome day the bible said let everything that have breath praise ye the lord so i'm just excited for what we're doing this finishing school project we are Moving forward is becoming an awesome time. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody is doing great. I hope you came home from work, whatever you did today, and you were just feeling blessed and feeling empowered and feeling like God is the best thing that you've ever experienced in your life. So I really just want us to jump into some word. I want us to jump into a Bible study on this evening. So if all hearts and minds are prepared for worship, grab your Bibles, grab your kids, grab your spouse, go ahead and put the chicken on, go ahead and put your food on whatever it may be, but I need you to really get your notepads and get all your stuff ready because we got an awesome time in the word on this evening. If we can go before the throne of grace on this evening, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for being an awesome God. You are Elohim. You are a sufficient God. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Nisi, our banner of victory. So on this day, God, we just thank you, God, even in the midst of, of the pandemic, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, you're still a God of joy, and you put joy on the inside of us, unspeakable joy, joy that uh, that that nobody else can take away from us, God, but you've given us the opportunity to be joyful and make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So God, we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do, God. So God, on this day, God, first and foremost, we ask you to forgive Forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our uh, actions, whatever it may be, indeed, action or thought, God, that was against your will, against your purpose, and against your plan for our life, God. We thank you, God, for your hedge of protection. We thank you for your uh, for your hope in us. We thank you, God, for just loving us, for your hand that has protected us and kept us safe throughout the day, God. And God, as we can ready to go before your word, we know your word declares to study, to show thyself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God. So we ask God right now that your Holy Spirit enter into every home, enter 
into every place. Uh, give them wise ears to hear, open ears to hear, uh, wise understanding, God. Allow this not to just be uh, information, but allow it to be knowledge and allow that knowledge to grow into wisdom, wisdom of understanding, wisdom of, uh, of contentment, wisdom to know your will and your plan for our life. And so, God, we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I told you I'm excited and I'm going to jump into our word for this evening. If you have your Bibles, your cell phones, whatever you have, lift them up real quick. Let's make our Bible decoration and repeat after me. Lord, I thank you that I have a Bible. It is my personal copy of God's purpose, God's plan, and God's design for my life. Therefore, I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm not just a hearer, but I'm also a doer. And my life has been better after hearing the word of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of y'all might be saying, Pastor, why are you rushing tonight? Well, Pastor got a virtual party to get to tonight. A virtual party, and we gonna party. Uh, before we even go any further, I really do have to honor the man of God, my, the man of God in my life, my spiritual dad. He's my covering. He's Liberty's covering. His name is Bishop J. Charles Carrington Jr. He is celebrating his birthday. So if you on Facebook, go ahead and like it. Go ahead and uh, send him a, a happy, a congratulations, happy birthday. It's just an honor to to really just honor this man of God. So I got a party to get to, and so we gonna get through Bible study tonight, and we gonna enjoy a virtual party. And, and then we're going to come back and tell you about it on Sunday. Amen. Amen. So tonight, once again, we've been dealing with finishing school. Somebody say finishing school. And so last week we dealt with versatility, versatility in your life, versatility in your ministry, versatility in how you operate and getting back to that place of understanding that we're being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. And we have to be versatile in what we do. We looked at uh, the Apostle Paul when Paul talked about, I became all things for all men in order to uh, in order to bring them into the kingdom of God. We talked about that. But tonight I really want to jump a little bit further and introduce to you the Caleb principle. Somebody say the Caleb principle. Uh, the Caleb principle, what is that, Pastor Thomas? What is the Caleb principle? Why, why does, that doesn't sound familiar, that doesn't sound like what it should be, uh, what it's supposed to be, but the Caleb principle is what we're going to deal with. A lot of people don't even realize who Caleb is in the Bible. A lot of people, you've heard of Joshua, you've heard of Moses, you've heard of all these other people, but Caleb had a very distinct role in the, in the transitioning of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and going into and getting prepared for the promised land, Caleb had a very defined role. And this role that Caleb had, I believe that if we uh, grab hold of it the proper way, that we can understand and see how we can change some things about us in our life. Um, so once again, go ahead and share this for me. Um, I, I need you to understand this. We all know that this week is going to be, um, th this is Pentecost Sunday, so we're going to be empowered with the Word of God. We're going to be empowered by the Spirit of God. We had an awesome time on Sunday talking about the Holy Spirit, but I just want to go a little bit deeper than that with you on this evening. If you have your Bibles, I need you to open up your Bibles to Numbers, the 13th chapter. We're going to look at the uh, first through the 24th verse, the first through the 24th verse. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. 
the New American Standard Bible. I'm only going to, I'm going to read the first two verses and then we're going to jump down to verse number 16. We'll bounce around. Um, but I, I really want us to deal with this 13th chapter of Numbers. Let me give you a quick second to pull it up. Numbers, the 13th chapter, looking at the first verse, and it says this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribe, everyone a leader amongst them. So the Bible says, so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Parham at the command of the Lord, all of the men whom were heads of the sons of Israel. Now jump down to verse number 16. And the Bible says this, these are the names of the men. It listed out the, the 12 men that uh, went down and were sent out as spies. It said, these are the names of the men who Moses sent out to spy out the land. But Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. We know Joshua was a great leader in the Bible. Verse number 17 says this, when Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, go up there into the Negev, then go into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak they are few if whether they are few or many how is the land in which they live is it good or is it bad how are the cities in which they live are they like open camps or with fornication verse number 20 says how is the land is it fat or is it lean are there trees in it or not make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob at, Le at Lebo Hamath. When they had gone up into the Negev, they came to Hebron where Anami, Sisha, and Talma, the descendants of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And then the verse 23 says this, they came to the valley of Eshkol and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two men. That sounds, that, that, that right there, they carried it on a branch between two men. That means those grapes, the, the, the vine of grapes, the branch of grapes had to be humongous. But it says this, with some of the pomegranates and the figs. Verse number 24 says this, that place was called the Valley of Eshko because the cluster of which the sons of Israel cut down from there. Now go back to verse number six real quick. And it says simply from this, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Joseph Nun, was brought, was called. He was one of the ones that was selected to go down into, uh, to go and spy out Canaan, to seek, to go through Hebron, to go through all of this, and then come out with, uh, come out with details about what it was that they saw, what it was that came out. Moses wanted to know because this was the land that they were designed and called, and God had promised them, and Moses wanted to simply see 
what it looked like. He wanted to know what was going on. He wanted to see this in that place. And we are introduced to Caleb in this chapter. I hope y'all got some pens because we need to really identify what who Caleb was, what Caleb's assignment was, even who what Caleb's name meant. Now we see in verse number 13, Correction, verse number six uh, of the 13th chapter, that Caleb was the son of Jesuvnah. He was of the tribe of Judah. We already know Judah means praise. So Caleb was of the tribe of praise. Caleb was of this place where we see that praise came forth from. We know that that's what the word Judah means. Of the 12 spies sent out by Moses to spy out Can uh, Canaan, uh, we, we know that Caleb was one of those 12. He was a young man. He wasn't older. He was young when he went out by their standards. His name means capable. Somebody write that down. Caleb means capable. That, get, that leads way to that, uh, to that thought right there of a different perception and an understanding of his assignment when he went to Canaan. His assignment followed his name. His name meant capable. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. In Numbers 13, we see that all, if you read the entire chapter of it, we see that all the spies returned. But this was the thing about when all the spies returned. Ten of them returned and gave a, uh, gave a report that was discouraging to the people. They came back. They said the people were big. They came back and said that the city could not be taken. They came back and said that all of these things would happen, that they could not go into the land that God had already promised them, that God had already set aside for them. They could not go into the land and take over and, and, and come into it according to what God had said. So they came back with the report that was discouraging to the people. And, and so many times with us as the body of Christ, we look at what we see in our surroundings and what happens? We come back with a discouraging word. We come back saying, why, well, if we're children of God, why does this have to happen? If we're children of God, this should not happen in the world. This should not happen in the world. Why does this happen to us? If I'm trusting God, if I'm believing in God, but why is this happening? We seem to uh, operate with a spirit of discouragement. Uh, discouragement about uh, living out the plan of God, discouragement about fulfilling your destiny and the purpose that God has for you, discouragement, we're always, well, uh, well, I tried that, so if, because I failed at it, you shouldn't try it either. Because I had a rough chance, I had a rough go, you shouldn't even try that on, on your own, because I know what it's like to go there, because my perception should be the way that you view things as well. Too many times do we, uh, we, a lot of people want to give us their perception, not understanding that how they did it may not be the way that God has for us to do it. It may be, uh, it may look like what they wanted to do, but the plan of it may not be in the, it, it wasn't written out the same way for us. There are many people that go through this experience and go through this time and not really understanding that God has called you to be like Caleb, to be capable of whatever he said you could be capable of. He didn't tell you that you had to listen to everybody else's negative speech, the discouragement. So we see that 10 of those spies came back with a discouraging word. Two spies, Joseph and Caleb, encouraged the people and said, let's go take the land. Joshua came back. You, Joshua came back gung-ho. Joshua was like, Moses, we can do this. Moses, I know we can get this. Do you see the size of these grapes, Moses? Do you see what, what, what this land possesses? 
Now, Joe, I mean, now uh, Joshua never said that it was not going to be hard to take the land. He simply said, we can do it. And if Caleb was right there with him, you had the leader and the one that his name means capable saying that we can go in and take this land. Caleb said, Caleb and Joshua came back with a report saying, you know what? I see the blessing if we just go. I see what it could be if we just get up and not look around and, and, and think about what might happen. But if we just get up and go, if we just get up and walk out, if we just step out on faith, I believe that God is going to change the environment. I believe God is going to make the provisions. I believe God is going to do the miraculous. But we got to just get up and go. Too many times we don't just want to get up and go. We got to make sure all the ducks are lined up. We got to make sure that everything, all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed before we step out and say, okay, God, this, this is what I need. Instead of saying, God, I trust in you. I believe you. I, I'm abiding by your will. God, even though I see I'm walking and operating with a, a mustard seed sized faith, but I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out because I need mountains moved. And if my, if my land is on the other side of that mountain, but I'm sitting here constantly saying that mountain is too big, I'm going to miss my blessing that's on the other side of that mountain. Now, I, my, God, my God may have the greatest thing that I could experience on the other side of our mountains, on the other side of our uh, situations, on the other side of our uh, circumstances. But a lot of times we'll say, I'm discouraged right now. We'll act like the 10, and I'm discouraged right now, so I'm not going to get up and move. I'm not going to get up and step out on faith. I'm not going to get up and be who God called me to be because I've gone through so much in my life, and every time I look out my window, I see more hurt. I see more pain. I see more issues. I see so many more things going on, but now we have to renew our mind. I constantly go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech thee, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, acceptable and holy, which is your reasonable service. And do what? Be not conformed to this world. There were 10 people that had conformed to what they saw and what they thought couldn't happen. But he said, but be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By what? The renewing of our mind. That doesn't mean I don't have tests. That doesn't mean I don't go through trials. But I got to be, allow my mind to be transformed. Part of this finishing process that we're going through is allowing and realizing that our mind has to be transformed from the way we used to think as the old man and begin to operate and think like the new man has called us into. To begin to operate and think the way that God said that we should think. That, and I constantly say this, and so many people say this, that I should be the head and not the tail. Well, if I'm operating with, from a discouraged standpoint, I'll never want to be the head. And if I am the head, I'm always walking around like this, with my head down. Why? Because, I, because my outlook, because the eyes that I'm looking through do not match the eyes of God. And if I'm going to be a child of God, if I'm going to be a kingdom citizen, I got to change the way I see things. I got to change the way I hear things. I got to change the way I touch things. I got to change the way I speak things out of my mouth. I got to stop speaking discouraging words. There were 10 spies, 10 spies that spoke a discouraging word. 
But how many people need to know, how many people can understand and believe that it doesn't take the 10 to motivate you, but if you just grab hold of that one word of God, that one plan of God, that one purpose of God for your life, that you can see the miraculous take place. If I stop listening to the 10, if I stop paying attention to what the 10 said I can't do, and pay attention to the one thing God said I can do, then my mountains can be moved. My life can change. My situation can go from where it used to be to where God has it for me. If I simply stop listening to the majority all the time, sometimes we got to put, we got to tune out all of that other talk. I don't care whether it's your mother, your father, your spouse, your, sometimes you got to tune that voice out and say, God, what is it that you have for me to do? God, people don't understand. I got a dream. I got a vision. And, and, if it, and, it weighing, and it's weighing on my heart. And sometimes you got to take that negative thing, ball it up and say, you know what, God? This is your plan, so get to work, God. You got to believe by faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, the world was formed. By faith, uh, uh, God, um, Jesus got up from the cross. By faith, he got up out the grave. Nobody believed it, but he was the son of God, and the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. He had already spoken. Too many things we allow to die, and we won't speak life back into it. We'll believe the, we'll believe the ten and refuse to pay attention to the two. So now, let's, let's continue on. Now we have to understand this simple thing. Who is Caleb? Once again, I said he's the son of Joseph, and he's of the tribe of Judah. He's one of the 12 spies sent out by Moses to spy out Canaan. His name meant capable. Verse number 30 of this same scripture, uh, Numbers 13 and 30, says this. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should what? We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. This is, the, this is what Caleb said. I, I need y'all to get this. He said he quieted the people because the people were in an uproar when the 10 came back and said, we can't do this. And you know, when, when, when the majority come back, we have a tendency to start to get into an uproar when they say, I told you, Moses, we shouldn't have came out here. Moses, we should have just stayed in Egypt. Moses, we was okay. And they knew they had been beaten. They, know they had been persecuted. They knew they were slaves. They knew they had been building uh, uh, pyramids and all this stuff. But at that moment, when the ten came back with a discouraging word, the, it says that the, the people got or were riled up. They were blaming Moses. May, we, we already know they blamed him one time when he went up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. Moses, you brought us, no, I mean, not Mount Sinai, but when he was at the Red Sea. We know they said, Moses, we came all the way here simply for, eat, for a Pharaoh to kill us. And we know the, mir the miracle that happened then when Moses stretched out the rod over the Red Sea and it parted and they were able to escape. We know that. So that was one time when the crowd got into an uproar. But now we see this when they were in a place where they sent somebody to go simply say, can we take the land? And they got into an uproar. The Bible says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take 
possession of it. What is it that's in your life that, that you simply need to hear those words? We need to go up and take possession of it. Take possession of your home. You got demons running all through your home right now and you scared and locking yourself in your room. You got demons going all up, all up and down your job and you sitting there scared in your cubicle, scared to declare the word of the Lord. But the Bible says that Caleb quieted him down and said, by all means, go up and take possession of it. He said, but, but you should by all means. See, I, I think a lot of people miss that little statement right there. We might understand where it says take possession of it, but he said we should by all means. That means if I got a fight, that means if I got a scratch, if I got a claw, if I got to do things that I've never done before, if I got to have faith like never before, but I got to get up and go take possession of this thing that God said is for me. He said, by all means, go up and take possession of it. We will surely overcome it. That means it's a test. That word overcomes means I'm going above and I'm going to surpass the test that's coming my way. So Caleb never said that it was, it was going to be easy. To take the land. Caleb never said that it wouldn't that it wouldn't come with struggles. He never said that I didn't have to fight. Caleb never said that I might not get bloody. But he said, We surely shall take possession of it. We surely will overcome of it. And, and we and I already identified that Caleb name means what? Caleb names means capable. Caleb capable. So so now Caleb by faith was believing in what God had already called him. He called him capable. And sometimes you got to surround yourself with people that you know God, that God has, you've already seen God's hand on their life and said, look, if God did it for you, I need you to stand right here with me by faith. I got to turn off some things, some people that's are discouraging in my ear. And I got to turn that off for a minute and get into the presence of God. And I believe that you by faith can stand here with me and we can battle and war with this because I'm going to need somebody that's going to walk with me. I'm going to need somebody that's going to help lift me up. But now I got to get it by faith. So now in Numbers 13, we, we, we saw once again that all 12 spies returned. Ten of the spies gave a report that discouraged the people. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, encouraged the people. And then we saw in verse number 6, it says, The son of Judah drew near. The sons of Judah drew near to Gilgal. We're looking at Joshua 14 because I need you to get this next point. Uh, uh, despite Caleb's word, be, I'm going to give you a point real quick. Despite Caleb's word, the people received they, and, and believed and suffered as a result of a bad report. Because they didn't want to believe what Caleb said. They didn't want to believe that they were capable. Even though Caleb said it, they didn't want to believe it. So the people received, believed, and suffered as a result of of the bad report that was given. So now when we look at uh, uh, Numbers, the 14th chapter, I wanted to start at the 6th through the 13th verse. It said, The sons of Judah drew near uh, to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephram and the Kizanites said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh. He, he, Josh, um, Caleb was coming back and saying, Joshua, you already know because they had already suffered the penalty of not taking the land when they were supposed to take the land. But now we see Caleb in this place and in this time where something was getting something different was getting ready to happen. Something different was uh, was coming about. 
And when we see Caleb in this place, there were some things that Caleb had to, uh, that we had to understand about Caleb. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to give you these things. Because at this point, we got to realize that Caleb, at this point in Joshua 14, I know I jumped from 13 to 14, but at this point when we see, we understand that they did not take possession of the land, so they still remain in the wilderness. They still were continually to travel before they got to this place. And understanding what the Caleb principle means, the Caleb, means, the Caleb principle simply means this, I'm capable of doing something. But now the Caleb principle, uh, when we talk about Caleb, when we see where he's at in this 14th chapter, Caleb was about 85 years old. He, had missed, he, he missed his whole season from 40 to 85. So that was 45 years from the time that he went into the land and spied on the land. He was young and vibrant. We know they lived to be uh, very old back then. So Caleb was young and vibrant at 40. And could you imagine the dreams that God is giving you at 40 years old? God is giving you uh, business designs. God is giving you great ideas that you're like, God, I can do it. I believe it. And then the discouraging word comes. And you put it off to the burner, to the side. You put it down and you say, well, I don't have the resources to do it right now. I don't have the support to do it right now. And now you're getting older and you're looking back over your life and you're saying, what did I have a chance to do with my life? What did I have a chance to do and to fulfill in my life? Why am I feeling like I'm in this place where I'm stuck? Why am I feeling like I'm in this place where I'm a disappointment? Not to anybody else, but I'm a disappointment to myself. I'm in this place where it feels like uh, uh, I listen to so many other people instead of listening to that voice of God that was on the inside of me. But today I came to break some things off of you and tell you that you're not too old. I don't care if you're 25. I don't care if you're 30. I don't care if you're 35. I don't care if you're 40. I don't care if you're 70. I don't care if you're 80. If you still have breath, you still have the possibility to operate under the Caleb principle, operate under the capable principle. You can step out and believe God has still got a plan for you, a design for you, a purpose for you. And now when we look at Caleb in this 14th chapter, we look at Caleb in this 14th chapter. Caleb, we, we got we to ask ourselves, is Caleb too old to do anything at this place? Have his good years passed him by? Is he going to die and not see his reward in the land of the living? When we go back, and, and, and now I want to get to that scripture, the 14th chapter of uh, the book of Joshua, excuse me, Joshua, the 14th chapter, it said, the son of Judah drew near uh, to, jo to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jeshurun, the Kizanite, said to him, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old. When, the, when, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. This is Caleb speaking to Joshua. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But get this, what did Caleb say? But I followed the Lord my God fully. Verse number nine, so Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trotted, 
will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Verse number 10, now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. I need you to hear that. These 45 years. So he still had not taken possession of the land of Canaan. So he was in this place for additional 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, when Israel walked in the wilderness, and and now behold, I am 85 years old. I am still, get this, Caleb said, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. And my strength, as my strength was then, so is my strength now. As my strength was then, he said, look, I I may not have walked into it at 40, but I'm feeling good right now. And I believe by faith that God is still going to walk me into my promise, into what I saw, into what the vision of God gave me. And in verse number 12 says this, now then give me this hill country about which, did, did you hear what Caleb said? He said, now then. Give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakin were, that Anakin were there with great fortitude cities. Well, great fortified, excuse me, cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. We're we talking about Caleb gone from a place of 40 years old to now 85 and still talking about God, if God be with me, I'm going to go in here and fight and take over this possession. I, I don't know about you, but that's that, that place right there alone gives me the opportunity to be encouraged. Because he said, I, he said, maybe the Lord God will still be me. P- perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will do what? Drive out. He didn't say I'm just going to walk into an empty place. Nobody wants to go into an empty place. You want to go into a place that's, that's flowing with milk and honey. You want to go into a place where the grapes are big as grapefruits. You want to go into the place where you see blessings at. And the Bible said that Caleb said, if perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out. Why? Because God had already promised it to me long ago. And I don't care who has possession of what God promised you. When God promised it to you, he will make the provisions for you to go in and take that land. Somebody needs to understand. It's time to take the land that God has promised you, but you got to step out by faith. You got to believe that you're capable of doing this thing. You got to believe that no, nothing can stop you. Nothing will be harmed on your head. That God's purpose and God's plan and God's promise to your life is still coming to fruition. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, he shall perform it. What are some things in your life? That God has promised you and said to you, what are some passions and dreams that you know are nothing but divine inspiration of God? Not just an intuition that you might be good at, but something that's been in your heart, been in your spirit, been on your mind that God said, I know that I've set you in this place. I've called you. I've appointed you to this thing that you have let slip through your hands because of everybody else. But you still have a burning desire to do it. And God said, now it's time to go take the land. Go take possession of the land. What is God speaking to you? 
He said, and I, he said, and, and, and perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Verse number 13, I got some more points to give to you. It says, so Joshua blessed him. Joshua, the new, the new leader of Israel, blessed him. And the Bible said, and gave him Hebron to Caleb and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son for an inheritance. He said, I, I know what you said God said was for you. I know what the man of God, Moses, said that God was going to promise you. And I can't do nothing but go ahead and release you into it. Caleb, he said he gave it to him. At 85 years old, he gave him the desires of what? His heart. What, what, what does the Bible say in the New Testament? God will give you the desires of your heart. So now, what are your heart's desires? Not just what you want, but what are your heart's desires that are lining up with the word of God, the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God? So now, when we, uh, when we already talked about the Caleb principles, this is the other part about that. This 85-year-old man was still hanging around, still holding on to what? The promise. Still able. He was still functioning. Caleb said what? I'm still just as strong as I was then. I haven't lost it. Why? Because he did not deny God. And uh, he, because he did not deny God, he won't be denied. What is it to deny God? That's my question for you. How does a person deny God? A everything that I'm, I'm, I'm leading up to is to ask you this. How does a person deny God? If God promised it to you, who are we to simply say, God, I can't do it. God, I won't do it. God, it's too hard for me to do it. If he promised you something, why are we sitting there saying that, that, that we live in a, a, with a fearful mindset? We acting as the ten when God says simply step out from among them and be the two. But so many times we operate as if we don't understand. So how does a person deny God? Somebody type that out for me on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you may be. Get this. A person denies God by this. They doubt God's word despite, despite what they know and see. God said you the head and not the tail. But God, I don't feel like it. God, I, want, I can't be the head. I can't, God, I can't do this. God said, I gave you salvation, but God, I feel like I'm just, I'm not worthy of salvation. So now you're doubting the word of God. You're doubting what God sent his son to do for your life. It, 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 doubt, the, the first point said, doubt God's word despite what they know and see. The second thing is speak out against God's plan. God ain't tell you that. <laughs> you crazy for thinking that you can do that. You crazy to believe that you can go out here and, 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 and go to a region where nobody knows you at and become what God called you to be. You're, you're crazy to believe. This is what people will tell you. This is what the body will tell you. You crazy for quitting that job and starting that ministry. You're crazy for quitting that job and starting that business. Don't you know we in a recession? Don't you know that businesses are closing every day? Don't you know the, the risk that it might cause with the things that you might lose? But I'm willing to lose it if God has said, if God has promised me that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. See, you got to speak the word of God against every word of the enemy when it comes against you. You got to speak the word of God. 
He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He said he'll never see my children begging bread. He said that if I trust in him, if I abide in him, he's, uh, that there are so many promises of God that we miss the mark on because we listen to what everybody else has to say about our situation, about your past. Girl, you know you ain't going to, you, you realize what you went through? You, you damage goods. Nobody going to want you. Man, Slim, you realize how many times you've been in and out of jail? The accuser of the brethren. Do you realize how many times you've been in and out of jail and you talking about that God said you was going that, that God said you was going to create this business? Man, go somewhere. The accuser of the brethren. To deny God means to speak out against God's plan for your life. I don't care what anybody says you was. What does God say you are? Who did God call you to be? What, did, what, what is it that God created you for? Yes, you might have fallen in sin. You might have, uh, the Bible says that a just man falls seven times. But he still gets up. I fell, I've fallen a million times, but I still got up. And God still had a purpose for my life. And if he had a purpose for my life, if we could just sit down and talk about my life, I can just sit there and give you testimony after testimony about how I, I, I tried to destroy my own life. But I served a God who said, no, I'm not going to allow you to destroy your own life. Yes, I know you done messed up. I know you done hurt people. I know you done been locked up. I know you done did this. I know you done did that. But I'm greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I had to start believing what God said about me because the, what the world was telling me that I should be was causing me to die. And the Bible said that I came that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. The only person that said that I'm here to kill you is the enemy. He said, I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy. I talk about this all the time. He came to skip, kill your hopes and your dreams. He came to steal God's purpose and God's plan for your life. He came to kill, steal, and destroy what God said you could be. So what is it that you've allowed others to speak out against God's plan for your life? And it's causing you to deny God. Mm. Next thing, speak out against God's leadership. Half the time, we won't, even, we won't even come to leadership and say, hey, this is what God is talking about. This is what I'm hearing God say. Does it mean that we, that we don't speak out against wrong leadership? No, we speak out about that. But right now, when, we, when, when there are godly men and women, that are trying to advance the kingdom. Oh, they can't be a God. See, this is what I mean when, I, when, when we talk about speak out against God's leadership. Oh, they got a small church. That, they, they can't be anointed over there. I go, to the, I go to the mega church over here. We got all this, so you need to come over there. Nah, I ain't even going to go down that road tonight. <laughs> Encourage others to do the same. Yeah, you, you're the one with the issue with God. And because you have an issue with God, because you haven't really talked to God, you haven't really understood his word, you, you feel like because you, you, you think that God is the cause of your, your, your failures, you stop trusting God. So now because you stop trusting God, you want everybody else to stop trusting God. 
Why are you going to that church? You know all them church people, all they want is your money. All them church people, all them people in church, they judgmental. All them church people going to do is look down on you. My grandmother used to go to church and you, Jesus, why are you taking me down this road, God? My grandmother used to go to that church and when she died, do you know? When my cousin died, you don't have an issue with God. You have an issue with human people that are fallible. Mm, where am I going at tonight? Because, and the, the fact of the matter is, you've encouraged others not to go. You had a bad experience at the church you was at. So nobody else is supposed to go to any other church. How does a person deny God? Because they did those things. But then when we look at Caleb, what kind of person was Caleb? What are his characteristics and his traits? Caleb was loyal. This is what I need you, this is what I need some of you all to get. And, and this is what I need some of you all to get. Caleb was loyal. In spite of what the 10 said, Caleb could have had an attitude and said, I'm, I'm walking away from them. I'm not, going, I'm not paying attention to them. I'm just going to go about and do my own thing. But Caleb was loyal to what the word of God said. He was trustworthy. Caleb was an independent thinker. He didn't go with the masses. He said what he felt was on his heart. We read that in the scripture. He said, I said what was on my heart to say. But Caleb was more importantly this. He was a person of expectation. Caleb was a person of expectation. Not only that, Caleb was determined. A person who honored his word. A person who knew that God was with him. We saw that. He knew that God was with him. He knew what God had said about him. So part of this Caleb principle, part of this principle to be capable, part of this Caleb principle, this principle to be capable is knowing that God is with you. How many of you can declare that I know that God is with me? God has been with me. If you think back over your life, the old folks used to sing that song. When I think back over my life and how I made it over, I know it was nothing but God. How many of you can sit there and say that every test that you've passed, it was of your own hands? Or was it by the hand of God? Was it by his will, by his purpose, by his plan for your life? I talk to people when I talk about, uh, I was having this discussion the other day about getting, as a young person, just about every job I ever applied for, I got. Qualified, unqualified, whatever it was. There was something on the inside of me that gave me a confidence to stand before any interview committee and simply say what needed to be said. When was the last time you, you looked in the mirror and spoke to yourself with confidence about who God said you were? That you're more than capable. That you're an overcomer. That you're victorious. That you're righteous, even in the midst of the hell that you're going through, that you're righteous. That God called you to be holy, 
That God called you to be separate and be ye holy. That God said that you're a peculiar people. That God said that you're a royal priesthood. See, when Caleb understood that God was with him, that, that negated anything anybody else could have done to him, said to him, or said about him. I believe those people in, in the children of Israel, they probably laughed at Caleb and Joshua when they said that we can go possess the land. They probably laughed at him. But, but believing what Caleb, who Caleb was and what Caleb said, he probably said, yeah, you laughing at me right now, but watch we go possess that land. And sometimes you got to have that mindset to tell people, you can laugh at me all you want, but watch God work. Not me work, but watch God work. I don't make a boast in myself. The Bible says to make a boast in the Lord. I don't boast about my abilities. I boast about what God is doing through me and with me because he's the one that's capable of bringing me out. He brought me from darkness to God's marvelous light. He brought me from the pit to stand before the throne. He brought me from hurt to learn how to love. He brought, he was capable of doing this in my life. And if he, if he did it in my life, what has he done in your life? What has he brought you out of? What hurt did you have that you thought couldn't be mended? But right now when you stand up, when you got up this morning, that hurt wasn't there no more. What hurt have you been through? What, what relationship issues have you gone through that you thought that the world was going to end? And after you soak for a little while, because the Bible said weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And when you woke up that next morning or the next week and you began to feel a little bit better and you began to step out and you began to get yourself together. The Bible says, hey, even when you look at Dave, the life of David, and, I'm, and, and, and we can just about complete this. But when you look at the life of David, David went through a process of losing a child. David fasted. He got down and fasted for days for the life of his son. And the Bible says that his son died. And when his son died, the most amazing thing happened with David. David didn't wallow and soak. David didn't sit there and say, my life is over because he lost the gift. What David did was got himself up. Dusted off the sackcloth, the ashes, everything, went in and washed his face. He got up and got dressed back in his kingly garments. And the Bible said when his, when, when, when his, uh, when his, when his people, his men came to find David, David was sitting down eating a good meal. Why? Because he understood I lost something. I lost it because of sin. Yes, I lost it, but that's not the end of my life. Who am I here to talk about? That you're capable of being what God said you could be. Yes, you lost it all. Yes, you lost the person you thought you loved. Yes, you lost the situation you thought you had. Yes, it's all gone. The money might be gone. The house might be gone. The cars might be gone. The people might be gone. But right now, I want you to get up. I want you to realize that you're capable. Dust yourself off. Sit down and have a nice meal. And then understand that greater is he that's in me. Because 
I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's in me because I'm the head and not the tail. Greater is he that's in me because I'm above and not beneath. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And guess what the world took away? My God said, I'll replace it. I'll give you better. I'll give you more. I'll send you to a land where grapes where grapes look like uh, uh, grapefruits, where, where, where pomegranates are big. I'll send you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey. By the way, that's my favorite restaurant, y'all. Milk and honey. I'll, I'll send you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Something sweet. Something nurturing. Something that if you put milk on your skin, that, that'll make your skin smooth. I'm capable of doing all of this in your life. The ver the, in, in Numbers 14 and 24 says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and he has followed me fully, I will bring into the land, I will bring him into the land which he entered and his descendants to do what? Take possession of. So all this time that we saw Caleb, all this time that we saw him in this place, the Bible said because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. See, you want to know why you're peculiar? You want to know why you don't fit in with people? You want to know why the thoughts that, that you have in your head seem to contradict the thoughts of everybody else, even in the church? Is because God has given you a different spirit. It's lining up with his word. You've gone back and said, God, this is what your word said, but they not saying what your word said, God. But I know what your word said about me. I know what your word said about the season and the time. And the Bible says, because he has had a different spirit and followed me, what? Fully. He didn't waver. See, too many times do we waver from what God said to us. We, we, we dabble. We, we on both sides of the fence. Yeah, I believe you for a minute, God, but, but when everybody else say it, I'm going I'm to step over here a little bit and see how it goes over here because I want to be in both places just in case what I think that you said don't pan out. So I got to make sure I'm over here with everybody else too. But God said, when are you going to believe me fully with the purpose on your life? So I need you to separate and step over here where you're going to be the one that's here by yourself. You're going to be the one that they look at and laugh. You're going to be the one that they talk about crazy. But God, but how many people know that the more people that you talk about that's crazy, the more you see them rise up and you like, how did they do it? There, there's a man named Steve Jobs that I, that, that I looked at with Apple, all these wonderful Apple technology that you see that I use. He had a dream. He had a vision. He had a purpose and he had a plan. And people thought he was crazy. People thought that his, his the, the mindset that he had, that he could not create this company that, that came out and took over the world from this thing. He stood by himself, his wife, his children. They did not believe in what he, what God, what God had placed on his heart. But look at it now. What has God placed on your heart? Not just in business. Going to college. There are a lot of people that's graduating right now in the midst of this pandemic that are first generation graduates. Mother never graduated. Father never graduated. Grandmother never graduated. They're first generation. There are people that are first generation business owners. 
There are people that are first generation. Uh, th- there are so many things, preachers, teachers, lawyers, doctors, executives, your first generation. And because you have believed what God said fully, he said you shall possess all of it. And not only shall you possess all of it, because when you buy into it fully, he said your descendants shall take possession of it. So now you're breaking generational curses. You're breaking generational cycles. Because if you're buying into the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God, you're changing the environment for everybody coming behind you. Too many times do we sit there and allow what's been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation to control how we operate. But now it's time to step out and break the generational cycles that have been coming down the past. Break the generational curses. No, I don't have to live like that. I don't have to be a part of that. I don't have to grow up in that environment. I don't have to raise my kids in that environment. I don't have to be abusive. I don't have to be abused. I don't have to be talked about. I don't have to go through this. And I'm breaking these cycles right now. No, I don't have to hustle on a block because my grandfather and my father did it. No, I don't have to live up in live in jail because all of these other people that came before me wound up in jail. No, I don't have to have six or seven babies. No, I don't have to live like this. No, I don't have to remain in my mom's house. No, I don't have to do all of this. I can break generational cycles because I'm fully trusting God. And because I trust God, everybody that comes from me are part of a lineage that broke the cycle. I'm so disappointed in what we saw yesterday. So my question to everybody listening, how do we break the cycle of what's going on in this country with black men? How do we break this cycle of racism? How do we break this cycle of saying that I am, I have value in my life? I wasn't even, this is not even in my notes. How do we break the cycle and realize that we have value because we have to stop the stuff on the block with the black and black crime. We got to stop the stuff where it's coming from racism and brutality from police, from white police officers that find no value in us. How do we break this cycle and come about and become capable of picking up my brothers? Capable of saying no, it's not going to happen on my watch. How do we become capable? Because I want to get to this place. I want to get to this place of living in Hebron. And I'm trying to draw this back in. But I want to get to this place of living in Hebron. This is the place that God promised Caleb. I want to get to this place of living in Hebron. What did Hebron mean? It's a place of fascination. It's a place of wonder. It's a place of enchantment. We got to break this cycle of not wanting better. We got to break this cycle of saying, I can dare to dream. We got to break this cycle of saying, I just, I, I got to remain where, I, where I'm lost at. I got to remain with this poverty mindset. I got to remain in this place where I have no value. 
because when we take value for ourselves, when we believe that we value our lives, we can't, we'll stop taking the knees on the throats. We'll stop taking being hunted down like, like a deer. We'll stop taking this thing. And, and we got to get to a place where we're being proactive instead of reactive. Because what they're saying is you're just going to rise up for a day or two. You're going to rise up for a week. You're going you're gonna to scream. You're going to shout. And then it's going to disperse. Got to get to a place of fascination, a place of wonder, a place of enchantment about who we are. We're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a, a peculiar people. We're chosen with purpose. Ah, Jesus. But we also have to get in one accord with what God's will is for us. Your will is, God's will for us is not to be killed, not to be destroyed, not to be hurt, not to be beaten. But we got to understand his will. And we got to get on our knees and pray. We got to not just pray. We got we, we to begin to do what God's word says to do. We got to be faithful to his word. We got to be faithful to his vision for our lives. We got to be faithful to his plans for our lives. We got to display faithfulness to him. Faithfulness to his servant and faithfulness to his work. We have to become we have to become new. We have to stand on one accord. We got to become what God has called us to become. Why? Because when we become what God called us to become, we change lives, we change environments. Dr. King changed lives, changed environments. Malcolm X changed lives, changed environments. We got to begin to stand up we got to begin to rise up as a people. We got to begin to rise up as young black men. We got to begin to rise up as black men. We got to condemn. We got to call it what it is. We got to change the environment and the nature of things. We got to begin to empower our young black men now as from, from the ages of six, seven, eight on up. We got to begin, we got to receive power. Yeah, this, this series, this whole thing, finishing school, our Sunday series about the Holy Spirit. If more of us would humble ourselves to his will, to his purpose, to his plan, not just to jump and shout on Sunday, but to become like Caleb and be capable of changing our environments. It doesn't start in the church. It starts when you step out of that house if you are the church. We got to change our environment. 
We got to change what we're called to be and match that and line it up with the word of God. If all hearts and minds are prepared, let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this night, God. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your purpose, God. God, right now, while we're in the midst of a pandemic, we've always been in a pandemic as a people. It's just coming to the forefront. And because it's coming more to the forefront, it's been more violence, it's been more death, it's been more killing, it's been more issues. But God, we we have to rely on something because with our own hands, we haven't been able to solve the problem. So God, we have to come on one accord and allow you to have your will, your purpose, and your plan. Yes, we can rise up and we can bear arms, we can, we can fight, but God, it is you who fights our battles. Your word declares that after we've done all we can do, we simply stand. For we know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Right now, we're in a pandemic of a stronghold of, of violence against people of color. Not just men, but women, children, people of color, that the enemy has put a mandate out that we just, that is just to be taken out. The target has been us. We know we're not perfect. We know we fail. We fall short of your glory. We know we make mistakes. But right now, God, we need your hand right now to begin to cease and desist the enemy's plan for our people. Or draw us nearer for your purpose in this season. God, we're capable of greatness. We're kings and we're queens. We have young princes and young princesses. God, you have raised us up with standards. You have raised us up to be like you. But we have forgotten, God, what you look like. So, God, we ask right now that that you, like, like, like what you promised to Caleb, God, that you restore your purpose. And because we desire to follow you fully with our heart. That, God, that we come together on one accord. That we come together with your purpose. That we come together. To understand not just in the midst of this, but to draw your people closer. Now, God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this time. And God, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that does not know you, God, press on their heart, God. Present our lives as such so. Let our light shine so that men will see us and glorify our Father which is in us. For you are our God, you are our great I am. So right now, God, I ask that you lay a hedge of protection around every, every person right now. Continue to build us up in Jesus' name. 
pray. Amen. And amen. Look, share this with somebody for me. Share this with somebody for me because we have an opportunity to change a generation. Change the mindset of a generation. Church doesn't look like it used to look. We, we can't just depend on grandma to bring the kids to the church because grandmothers now may have never been to church themselves. So we got to step out and, and, and show them what the church looks like. Not just the building. We got to show them the power of the church. And I mean the power that operates in you because you are the church. Let's get connected. Some people need to know your experiences, your testimony, what you've been through, what you've overcome. Because in your testimony, there's hope. In your testimony, there's purpose. In your testimony, there's promise. I'll leave you with this as we close out of it, as always. Live on purpose. Live for purpose, but most importantly, live in God's purpose. Reach out to a young person this week. Male, female. Just simply let them know that they are loved and not hunted. We got to change the narrative. Love over fear. Faith over fear. Power over fear. Mm. And as we go, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We'd love for you to join me on Sunday. This is Pentecost Sunday. Got an awesome message for you. If you want to reach out to Liberty Christian Church International, you can visit our website at www.lccimd.org. Send us an email. Also, if you need to reach our church office, uh, the number is 301-887-5259. You can reach us, prayer requests, whatever you may need. We'll, We'll get back in contact with you. I love you with the love of God. Be blessed. Be filled, be empowered. We're the church with no games, no gimmicks, just Jesus. No games, no gimmicks, just Jesus. Be blessed. Be blessed. Go in peace.